This week we go in depth uh, with one of my close friends and a massive producer at the moment, Wongo, where we've introduced him to uh, all, the toge- all the Together Music producers and they've basically asked a bunch of questions that they felt would help them uh, to grow and get better. I hope you enjoy it. How I got into DJing was just, was actually partying, which is probably like most most people. Um, but I went over, what was actually, I started producing first, so I went over to a friend's house, Little Fritter, who's also from the Gold Coast. He was um, showing me some tracks that he just put together on his computer and I still didn't quite understand how that's, how dance music was even made. And, um, and I pretty much said, you know, what do I need to do to get started? And he's like, just buy, good equipment right from the get-go. He goes, buy, buy a Mac, like an upgraded Mac, buy a keyboard, you know, buy a sound card. So I went out and I, yeah, I think I spent like 5K on my first little setup and, um, and just, just started teaching myself. It was before the times of YouTube, so you sort of had to just fumble your way. So I think it took me like a year to finish yeah, my first track. Just for retrospect, 06, 07 maybe? Yeah, some, somewhere there. So I think it took me a year to, to actually finish my first track. Was it, was it always like house music? Yeah, it was, it was like minimal techno. It was like probably like Richie Horton stuff beforehand. But I mean, realistically, it didn't even sound like that. It was pretty much just me putting chord progressions with a beat underneath it with sounds on top. So it wasn't actually like a fully produced, arranged record. It was just sounds that yeah. I thought that was making a song, you know? And um, I guess, yeah, after about a year, I sort of started actually putting other people's tracks into my project and seeing how they arrange it. So you're seeing that, okay, so an intro has to be, you know, an equal amount of bars. So most of my intros before that were uneven amounts. So it's just, you know, you you don't know where you start. It's something that we brought up, I think, earlier. Yeah, yeah, just figuring out, like, okay, so why is it, you know, why is there a minute and a half intro on one song and 30 second intro on another song? It's, you know, because different genres need different things, you know, especially with house and techno, like, I did a track the other day which has a two minute intro and a two minute breakdown. So the actual tr- track doesn't even drop till four minutes, but that's the world that that track lives in is a, you know, different to what even when I'm DJing. I don't usually play tracks like that. But I pretty much, I just produce how I feel every day. So, you know, over the last, you know, 10, 12 years, it's just, you know, my style's formed itself just from purely just doing what I want to do every single day in the studio. And I guess that's sort of how, how I got to... Um, I I open up an empty project file and then I, I find a kick. So usually the kick determines my mood that day. So if it's a really deep, thuddy kick, usually I end up writing a techno record. Or if it's a real toppy sort of kick, maybe it might be a bit more of like a club club banger. Yeah. Um, but my what I usually do is sort of like my prep to opening the project is if I'm driving home or something from work, I'll put on whatever music I feel like listening to. And pretty much when I get to the studio, all those sounds and feelings and stuff in the back of my head so when I actually do start the track I'm not copying anything but I'm sort of inspired from from somewhere do you set a certain time for you to yeah my, my, my time seven o'clock in the morning yeah. yeah so that's when I feel most inspired I've just had a coffee and it's like before I've read any emails before I've checked my messages it's like my head's completely clear and you know feeling pretty good so I get straight in the studio as early as I possibly can but that works because that's my personality, like where if I'm the sort of person who didn't wake up till lunchtime, you know, and then I knew, and then I, and then I knew I had from like 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. to do nothing. Then 3 p.m. would probably be my, you know, my goal, goal now. Is your studio in your house? Or do you my my studio was it has been at my mum's 
the whole time. So I've moved to Sydney and like I had a studio there, but um, I lived in Palm Beach and Corumba and stuff like that. But now I moved back in with my mum before, well, it was pretty much just to drop, be able to cut my hours down at work. So yeah. I wasn't paying rent. Um, so yeah, my studio's in the spare room of my mum's place. Then it's been, yeah, it's been there for, you know, five or six years. Yeah. yeah it's good. It's good. It's good. I think it's good to have somewhere that's not... Your house. Yeah. Not your house. Yeah. Like when I was living in Sydney, I had to ride my bike an hour to get to the studio. And went, by the time I actually got there, it was like I was fresh as because I'd just ridden, I did some exercise. Like I was, yeah. there was no. Had about 300 thoughts on the way there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you're just out of your normal life for a little bit. And then when I used to ride home, it was just, you know, reminiscing about what happened in the studio until we went back the next day. So pretty much my wife worked three jobs when I lived in Sydney just to pay for half of my studio because it was like. I, because I was, cause, yeah, because I was in Sydney to make a career, like to make a name for myself or to make the connections with people in the clubs. So like, yeah, she sacrificed quite a lot to just make sure that I had the time to do it, which is really good. She's still sacrificing now. She's still the breadwinner now. So like, yeah, but you know, it's but, you know, since since I, since I moved in at my, back at my mum's in November, it, my whole career changed. So it's like I have had time to write the records. I um, you know, I've had the time to put in t time into my social media and all that sort of stuff. So like all the different little things that I had a manager for, you know, I've physically had time to do it myself. So it's like, you know, my whole, you know, I, I left my management agency. That's purely because I, I could, I could do it myself. Um, and yeah, and since then it sort of all came together. And it's also from I've I've been managed since I've been for like ten years, so. You know, it's taken me a long time to even figure out what, you know, what I, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So, you know, pay people that, you know, to do things that I'm not good at, which is like PR and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, just sticking to your strength. Um, after I what left... Was mind process to go, okay, I'm going to do Well, when I went to Sydney, I think, because Sydney, I moved to Sydney so I could go out to the nightclubs, meet everyone in person, um, and then... My idea of being a producer back then was to just ghost produce for people. So it was like, I didn't really care about my actual personal career as much. It was like, you yeah, know, I'll write weird club records and if something happens, it happens. But um, so I spent a lot of time down there ghost producing, which was more like a nine to five. It was actually helping me pay, you know, pay my way down there. But it wasn't until I left Sydney and um, all that ghost producing dried up because most of the time they want to sit in the studio with you and stuff like that. And um, so most of it dried up and I had heaps of time to produce for myself. And at that time I was getting a few gigs because I'd made lots of, a lot of connections down Sydney with people. So it's like I was um, constantly traveling to, to DJ, which made up that extra cash. So it was, um, I guess when I moved to, back to the Gold Coast after, after when you decide it is your job, I guess that's when it become, becomes your job, you know, cause I've like, you know, dropping the hours at work and all that sort of stuff is, you know, you're letting go of a normal, secure lifestyle t to be a musician. Do, do you enjoy, like, ghost producing as much as you do, like, making your own stuff? If, if it's my genre. Like, when I write house music, I'm always happy. Like, I was doing some trap stuff, which, you know, I can't produce trap music as well as trap DJs need their trap music produced. Because I'm not, I don't, my brain doesn't automatically understand what the next step is. So a lot of the time I was Googling things and YouTubing things or having to ask them lots of questions, which made it harder when they're in the studio as well because if they don't really know what they're trying to explain and I'm trying to get them to explain it, it's like we never came, I could never get to like a really nice final product. So that stuff, that stuff sucks. But um, 
yeah, writing house music and techno is just it's second nature to what I play in nightclubs, to what I listen to in the car and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, that's enjoyable. That's super enjoyable. Depending on what I'm trying to make, so usually I try to make all my drums myself. So I do my, do my kick, then my clap, and then I layer my claps or my snares, and then I do my hats. And then if, it's, if a track doesn't have enough energy, then I'll put more hats in. If it still doesn't have enough energy, I'll put more hats in. <laughs> and, and if it still doesn't have enough energy, then I'll put a loop that's completely amazing, like you know, with the same groove, put it under the track and it's like the whole song's finished all of a sudden. So it's like, I don't know, it goes both ways. Sometimes I'll start with a loop and I'll just find that, you know, I like those, the way those congas work or something and I'll just chop them up and I'll put them into the project. It's still sounding the way they sounded before, but I've got more freedom into, um, you know, putting delays on them without the other accented percussion inside those loops um, getting in the way and stuff like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you have to change your setup for EDC at all? No, nah, th that was the best bit. For, so e for EDC, was even more. He I could do even more what I wanted to. I was playing at 3, 3 a.m. My first set was at 3 a.m. So time like, it, what time did it start? 7, 7 p.m. Like 7 p.m. till 5 a.m., I think. Oh, yeah. so it's just dark the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty intense. It comes up with, like, finishes with the sun coming. It's, it's too hot. Like, the thing is, it's like 110 <laughs> degrees there, so it's like nearly 40 yeah. It's like over 40 degrees Celsius, so it's like hot. And um, so you can't do it during the day. But yeah, so the Cosmos set was at 3 a.m. It was like I was formatting my set to to start techno and then move into like more deepish stuff and then finish with techno. So that's pretty much what I did. So that was how my, I structured my set. It was like, okay, I'm after Chris Lorenzo, who's going to be playing like super UK bass stuff. And um, what's, what's going to have more energy than that? You know, because obviously... I want to impress the crowd first track, so I just played a, a techno record because it's techno records just thumpers. So it's like that was my sort of way of thinking. I've still played some bass stuff. I played some housey stuff, but yeah, it was um yeah played whatever I wanted to. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and then the, the next day, like I did the pool party at 1 p.m. the next day, and that was like seriously just people in pools and people just laying down on the grass. So I for that set I just played sort of like Eli Brown sort of. Um, Salado, housey sort of stuff. Stuff that I still like listening to, but wouldn't typically be a Wongo set. So I do, you know, move to the occasion. But, you know, when you've got three of the biggest agents in America, like standing side stage, you sort of do the right, do the right thing. <laughs> Not going to play bangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's heaps of shortcuts. Like, sh shortcut is, one, a major shortcut is Splice. Like, if you guys use Splice, that is, like, I only discovered it recently, and it's, like, the best thing that's ever happened to me. Everyone's been talking about it a lot. They're like, it's, it's pumping. Like, well, seriously, so, so the, point, the point is, like I was saying, when you can't finish, when, you, when your track doesn't sound full or doesn't sound finished, and you're like, what is it missing? Then you're like, okay, um, I like the drums in it, so I'm not going to touch the drums. Maybe it just needs like an atmos some atmosphere behind it. Maybe it just needs some thickness. So you'll, I go on a splice, I click what key, key it is, and like instantly, like I go through 10 things that all fit the track. And like, and you know, and then it's just a matter of finding, you know, using that and putting it in there and then the biggest thing about me as a producer is processing it's not so much the sounds i'm using or the drums i'm using but it's like the post-processing so like once you've st like not steal but when you when you use a sam sample from someone else's catalog just try and turn it into your own somehow and they just do that through through third-party plugins if that um, makes sense yeah um have you just sort of like moving on just um another part is have you sort of had any I'm, like in that 10 year space where you've gone nah, like I don't think this is going to happen yeah I mean every day <laughs> to be completely honest still every day I'm an anxious person 
and like how, like how do you help you inside that how do you help yourself get past yeah i, I mean that? there was there was a, last year so like i got married in the in november two years ago and last year i just genuinely wasn't that excited about music so it's like I, it, like you know i was still producing i was still trying to write re records i was still djing a lot but like i wasn't you know i wasn't in the mind frame that music wasn't my my goal at that for that you know for 12 months which really hurt my career because it was like at a point where I, I needed to start stepping up and it wasn't till I st just did what I wanted to do like just did, write the music that you love like you're saying trying to please people like I feel like because I, I didn't have that much time for music like brain space for it I was trying to please people in the small amount of time that I had and it wasn't till I stopped doing that and I just did what I loved doing again that everything that I, you know I finished three records in a week and then you know I I got them all signed. They all sounded like me. They all, you know, I was getting my message across through the music. So, I mean, I guess it's just do it, do it for the right reasons. Like, you, you'll fall out of love with music and you'll fall out of love with producing if you're not doing it, not doing what you want to do. You know, if you if you were writing trap music and, and you actually really like house music now, it doesn't mean you have to keep writing trap music. You know, it probably means you have to start a new alias, you know, as far as getting signed to record labels. But, um, but that's, a, that's like a another thing that you know it's another step you, that's not you shouldn't stress about that you should be like okay well if I feel like writing house music today I'm gonna fucking write house music do, do you have um, a particular way to like when you hit a wall like where you yeah pr on? just produce seriously like if I if I'm in a really weird headspace and I'm like I'm sitting in a studio and I'm like I've been listening to the same loop for for, for for 30 minutes and I'm like I'm just like I just I'm not feeling this what I'll, I'll either I'll either close it and I'll start another thing, and then and if, usually then it starts. You start run a new loop, and you're feeling it, and you get somewhere because your brain's left whatever mood that was the other one was in. Or I have a cold shower, so like having a cold shower seriously will just reset your way your brain's feeling, and you'll go back in there and you'll and you'll work on it. Um, or going for a walk, going out for coffee for even half an hour, even two hours. It doesn't mean doesn't matter how long you leave the house for, as long as you, when you get back to the house you feel fresh. If you try to go back into the studio, like when you still feel anxious, it's like it's not it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not worth it. yeah. Or, or like I said, then you still feel anxious. Close the project you're working on. Start something new. So I mean, every single song you produce, you're going to learn something new, or you're going to learn new techniques. So you're going to, you know, you, I'm still learning every single project. So it's you're never nothing's ever wasted even if it is a project that you, that you really loved and you got it to like 98% done if, if if you just can't finish it then just start the next thing and then maybe in like you know a track that I started in March this year I I knew that I had this special vocalist that I, I had in mind for the track so I sent him the track he's like yeah I'll get some vocals done for it and then a few months later he still hadn't sent me anything so I hit him up two days ago and he's, he's like oh, okay yeah I'll do it so he sent me vocals within 24 hours and then and I kept working on that track from March. So it's like, you know, even though it could have been wasted if I never followed up that lead, you know, it's now it's turning into a track that I really want to produce and finish. So yeah, don't ever waste anything. Don't ever delete projects. Just just leave them there. Because another thing that I want to do is, because I have got so many unfinished projects, is to like do a sample pack, you know, make my own sample pack. So <laughs> I've got, you know, 50 projects full of cool sounds that I've, spent time on liking and then if I just export them all put them into package and, and sell it so it's like nothing yeah, never splice. so yeah go to splice yeah exactly <laughs> and then download my own samples <laughs> <laughs> who is this Wongo cat <laughs>
Yeah, so I mean, if you're ever not feeling it, or if you're ever stuck, just walk out, walk back in when you're feeling right. You know, sometimes I'll start producing at 7am, I'll get to about lunchtime, and I'll be compl- I'll be like, nah, I'm not going back to the studio today, I've, I've done enough work for today, I feel good, you know, and then at 5.30, I'm like, oh, I'm a bit bored, I'm going to go to the studio, and then I just go back to the studio, you know, there's no start or end time, it's just whenever I feel good about it. Yeah, I'll give you my very honest feedback on this one. <laughs> um, I think like 60% of it is marketing, or even 70. I think like, I mean, to get to the point where I am now, I think that it's taken, it's 70% who I am and what I am that's, that people are, the reason why people are watching me. Yeah, I, I seriously think like a large part of it is who you are and what you are. Yeah. And until you get to the point where who you are and what you are is like, you know, people, people like you. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm writing heaps of records, but I'm not getting bigger than this. And it's like, okay, why? And it's like, well, you haven't hit a, you haven't made a hit record. So the next job is to write a hit record. So your music can be at the same level as who, who you are and what you are. Um, I think running a record label is 0%. I don't think it's important whatsoever. Um, the reason we started a record label is because no one was signing my records. And I felt like I was big enough to to have my record signed. Yeah, see, yeah, like I, I, it needed to happen. So starting a record label, I mean, it still took, you know, 16 months or a bit longer to get some traction on the record label, but um, but that's helped me. Now that the record label is growing at a fast pace, it's also helping my career it's because people know who I am and what I am. Even if I haven't got a track out for six months, they still know that I'm busy. They know that I'm doing things, yeah. So, I mean, that... I think that if you're not writing a lot of records, sure, then a record label is a really good thing. Or be, being a manager or being a, a, an agent, you know, being in the music industry, being current. I just want to say a very special thank you to Wongo uh, for coming in and talking to all of our artists and answering a lot of questions and, and obviously giving his thoughts on some of their music. Uh, if you enjoyed this video, make sure you give it a like and subscribe and we'll see you next week.